And then what we did was we took the things that those folks had shared during the roundtable and we wrote, you know, a, sort of like an ebook on it with their thoughts without really quoting them, but just sort of like going through the things that they had shared, the experiences they had. And then we use that as a way to follow up from that roundtable and engage with them, continuing the conversation. Um, so it's a, it was a really great way for us to make them feel very special. That was Christina Daruka. Hello and welcome to the ABM Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Arun Gopalaswamy. Christina has been an ABM practitioner for over seven years, much before ABM became a buzzword in B2B marketing. She's been incredibly generous in sharing her ABM knowledge and enabling her fellow practitioners. And she has done it again here. So much to learn from what she has to say in this talk and to put it into practice. So let's dive in. Hey, Christina, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. So thank you so much for taking time. Let's just start getting an intro of yourself, your background, right? What are you up to? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so my name is Christina Daroka. I am the Senior Director of Global Demand and America's Marketing at Riverbed Technology. Uh, Riverbed is a company that serves IT professionals. Uh, we have a few different types of products, but essentially, you know, helping uh, big organizations were th with their employee and their customer digital experiences. Everything from, you know, the network to their devices to the applications they're using, really making sure that everything is working and working efficiently. And yeah, I've been in, in marketing for um, over 12, 13 years now, um, doing a, a few different roles, but always in the ABM, demand gen, field marketing um, area of the house. Um, so yeah, very excited to chat with you today. Absolutely. Are you doing a lot of ABM activities for Riverbed currently? Yes, we're doing a couple of different flavors of it. Uh, we have a few okay. accounts where we're doing more of a one-to-one -one approach, you know, very white glove type of thing. And then we do mm -hmm. one-to-few and then more of like the demand generation, one-to-many, um, you know, targeted demand. Right. And how long have you been doing ABM specifically and how has your journey been so far? Yeah. And, and what exactly do you like being an ABM marketer? Yeah, I, I do love it. I always say that, you know, I, I love working with sales and sales has been doing ABM forever, right? Like that is how they sell. They have their list of accounts and they do very, uh, you know, one-to-one -one approaches. Yeah. Um, so I, I love it. I think it's it's the way to go, especially if you're selling, you know, bigger contracts to enterprise companies, you know, big organizations. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I started back in 2015-ish uh, um, and, you know, when ABM was starting to sort of like become a thing um right. we started i started it in a different company but you know very rudimentary type of like only doing email and trying to do you know email sequences per account and things like that so you know very it was sort of like pre-vendors and, and pre-technology right for ABM. Right. and then I've, I've been at a few different companies doing it in different ways but essentially you know the the basics is the same right like understanding your accounts right. having a, a very targeted list of accounts that you want to go after uh, aligning with sales on how we go after those accounts and how we try to sell to them mm. um, and then picking you know a few different tactics to try and engage those accounts okay are there any favorite abm programs campaigns 
that you would like to talk to talk about yeah so we actually just uh ran one that started um at the end of last year and and we're still sort of going through it and i think it has been a, a really successful really great way for us to engage our top accounts um we hosted a round table a virtual round table with about six or seven accounts um mm. you know pretty executive level people we brought them together we had our cio sit in and speak with them because he is our buyer persona right so someone who really understands the market very well and, and he can relate to our customers very well. Mm -hmm. So they sat down, they had a conversation. It was all about, um, you know, cloud technology and how to manage the cloud for big organizations. And then what we did was we took the, the things that those folks had shared during the roundtable and we wrote, uh, you know, a, sort of like an ebook on it with their thoughts without really quoting them, but just sort of like going through the things that they had shared, the experiences they had. Mm -hmm. And then we use that as a way to follow up from that round table and engage with them, continuing the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it was a really great way for us to make them feel very special because we said, hey, you know, thanks for participating on the round table. And here's a piece of content that you can share in your organization that you actually helped build because you'll mm -hmm. see that your thoughts are on the on the document um, and it really, you know, it made them feel very special and it helped us, you know, continue that conversation and have another piece of content that now we have to go to those accounts and others, you know, to really talk about that topic. So again, a very, you know, like very targeted, very small number of accounts, but it, you know, it, it's really about that experience and making the customer really feel heard mm -hmm. and continue that conversation with them so that, you know, you can eventually get to opportunities and deals, et cetera. Cool. Uh, what was the, like, were there any previous touch points before you caught them? So did you warm up? Did you have previous conversations so, with them or like any engagements yeah. before? Like what I'm, I'm really curious to know, what point of time do you activate this kind of a very closed door kind of an events? Right. Yeah. So they weren't cold accounts. They were accounts we had been working with previously, but uh, we hadn't been able to engage with that level of executives. Right. So we were working with more of the users, the technical folks. Um, but we needed to get to the executive level. So we engaged a third party vendor, which is something that, you know, some companies really try to do ABM all, all by yourself. And that, that's not mm. how it has to be. You can always engage someone to help you. Right. Um, so we engaged a third party vendor who has that network of executives and who could help us, you know, bring those executives to a round table, to a session mm -hmm. and, you know, help them um, have that conversation amongst themselves. And so it was really great because we could go after accounts that we, we knew were having similar challenges. They were all in the same industry. So mm. we could kind of group them in that way instead of just having, you know, disparate folks who might not um, have the same challenges or the same conversation. Right. So they, I, I wouldn't say they were cold accounts, but the folks who came to the round table were sort of new to us because we hadn't mm. specifically engaged with them before. Right. What do you think are the motivations for these executives, right? And their busy schedules, right? So leaving out at the, uh, the regular yeah. work schedule and then getting into bunts like this. Like, what do you, yeah. what have you gathered around? Like, why do they come and then share yeah. or discuss or identify new strategies or anything like that? Yeah, I think what executives are really looking for is really having a conversation, an open conversation with their peers, right? Folks who are going through the same challenges they're going through where mm -hmm. you're not selling to them. We did not talk about our product at all in that entire conversation. It was just really right. facilitating the conversation and saying, hey, you know, here are five of your peers.
peers that are at similar companies as you are. These were all pretty big companies, so they all knew each other and they knew, you know, all the other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps because, you know, it's like I, I love going to roundtables about marketing because, you know, I learn from others and I understand what others are doing. Yeah. So it's really giving them that opportunity to come together with their peers, come together with others that are doing the same things as them. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much, you know, hey, come to this conversation and we're going to sell you our product because that that definitely would not engage them. Right. And, and I think, think you are one of the most experienced ABM MERS, right? Around, you, you <laughs> talked about how you started at, around 2015 when that wasn't a thing. But like when you look at it now, if you are a B2B marketer and then if you're not mm-hmm. talking about ABM or implementing an ABM, mm-hmm. look down. And, and hence, there's a lot of interest in ABM, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. unknowns. People don't know exactly where to start, right? You talked about how you went in the first company you started with email engagements for example right is that the way to go so like having all the experience that you have today how would you advise somebody who's thinking of abm today to start with right and yeah i I think i have another follow-up question let me just come back to it once you respond to this yeah so um it really depends um on what you're trying to achieve and you know where your company is at and and you know there's a lot of things that, that i would look at before i just launch into hey this is what we're doing but in general the way I would do it is I would try to group a number of accounts around, you know, 30, 40, 50-ish, either based on, you know, based on some similarity, either they're, you know, they're in the same industry or they are going through the same challenge or they are in a market that is, you know, highly regulated if you're helping with regulation or, you know, something that they all share mm-hmm. and start there, start with a, a bigger bucket, if you will, and start um, targeting them. I wouldn't necessarily start with email because email is very difficult if they don't know you they're just going to ignore your email so i might start with uh, something a little bit more you know on the digital side maybe you put together some content and put that in front of them via ads Um, maybe an experience like i said you know like a a round table or a conversation like that or a series of events where you can target them and then i would track that very closely and see where the accounts start to engage and then once you start to see some engagement and some you know content consumption maybe some are coming to your website etc then that's where you start to hone in into more of the one-to-one piece mm-hmm. and you know along with your sales team you start to see like hey this account is engaging here here and here what are you finding from a sales perspective? And then, you know, we come together and really go after it in, a, in more of a one-to-one motion. Mm-hmm. I think it's very difficult to start one-to-one right off the gates without having, you know, a little bit of, you know, having seen engagement from an account or having seen, you know, some warm up there. Right. Is that how your programs are structured? So you talked about different flavors of ABM that you are executing for uh, Riverbed, yeah. right? So like, how does it all connect and, and how do you bring together... So- all these programs. Yeah, so for example, in the Americas, um, we are doing that now. We we have a uh, number of accounts that we're going after. They are all in the same industry. And then from there, we're tracking the engagement very closely. And once we start seeing engagement... Then... And about a range, right? So what would be in for a, a one-to-many type of ABM? Yep. What would be your target account list size? Yeah, in in one. What would be the size of your one too many is in the hundreds. It's probably like 300, 400. Yeah. Then we have one too few, okay. which is around like 40, 50. And then from there, we go into mm-hmm. one to one, which is only a couple of accounts okay. a quarter because you need to do, you know, a lot of engagements and, and you know, very customization there. 
Got it. Okay. So how do you connect these three programs? Right. So um, for the so one too many is more on a, on our demand generation side of the house. So we're doing you know more general demand generation tactics. And obviously we have our ICP definition. We know exactly what what companies and what types of companies we want to go after. But we have general demand generation programs, meaning you know webinars. We have digital ads. We have content that we pump out. We have events that we go. To. But then from there we have a few folks that are focused on driving the one to few. So they have a list of, we get together with sales and we uh, put together a list of, like I said, 40, 50 accounts. Um, we try to stay within one or two industries so that we can talk more about the industry and the challenges in that industry. But that really depends on right. you know what you're selling and your product. It might not make sense by industry. It might make sense by something by region or you know whatever it is. And so that's where we start to do a very tight alignment with sales. We pick a few sellers that have those accounts. We work with them very closely. We meet with them every week. We review the account plan. We also have a BDR on the team who is prospecting mm -hmm. and you know reaching out to the account and trying to engage folks in that way. And then the marketer on that team, on that little team, is also connecting the demand generation pieces, right? So if we run a webinar and one person from those accounts comes to the webinar, it is the marketer's um, responsibility to identify that and say, hey, guys, we had this webinar on the demand gen side of the house. And this person was engaged. So then that that starts to inclu be included in the ABM plan. And then again, from there, when we see high engagement with some of the accounts, we then start to look at can, what can we do on a more one-to-one -one mm -hmm. basis with this specific account and start, you know, surrounding that account with more customized content. Right. And, and what kind of activities do you do in a one-to-one in a -one kind of a, an outreach? Mm -hmm. Is it like primarily marketing or it's primarily sales or? an equal effort or how it's both it's really both uh from marketing it's really you know usually around experiences we invite them to be speakers at specific shows that we're going to or events that we're putting together hmm. we have them speak at our webinars um, you know we 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 can custom we get all the way to customizing content for them we try not to reinvent right. the wheel so it's not you know brand new content for an account but we would you know nice. grab a piece of content that we have and customize it a little bit for that account more specifically right. so it's a, it's a little bit of everything and then like i said the seller and the bdr they are reaching out to the account and trying to get more folks involved mm -hmm. excellent and in your one too many dimension kind of a abm outreach right so do you do you have any involvement from sales at all or it is just like it stops at like helping they helping them identify the accounts like is it like stops at account selection or do you have any specific conversations around those accounts which are still lying at the very top of yeah, no, on the one too many, it's it's more um, on the marketing team. We have we we have an agreement with sales in terms of you know the ICP, who are our best accounts, number of employees, size of the account, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then with that, we we obviously we have our named accounts and you know specific accounts that we want to go after, but we are really trying to broaden up the, our list and mm -hmm. try to target that ICP. And so we're, we okay. don't have a specific list, but we do try to, you know, bring in as many, as, as much engagement as okay. we can. And then all that flows through our, you know, our CRM and all of that. So then the seller can see, you know, what is the engagement from their specific list of accounts. And then they can reach out once, uh, you know, one account is engaging. Okay. So, so broadly, what's your account selection strategy? Like how would you, how did you end up selecting this 300 accounts or yep. whatever, right? Yeah. So how do you so, go? 
about and how do you also maintain the list mm-hmm. right so when do you promote or yeah. when do you add remove from an account list what, what's the yeah. strategy there yeah so that list is uh, like i said based on um industry so we picked one industry specifically we're now starting to look into a second industry but you know it's one vertical we looked at all mm-hmm. of our North America team. Uh, so we have a, a lot of different regions within North America from a sell, sales perspective. So we looked at that team and we essentially selected all of the accounts that were within that industry. And so that was, you know, around that number. So then with that list, we're doing the the one to few, um, you know, targeting. Okay. So the 300 is, is something that like just it came to 300 or yeah. it's like you had some kind of a number in mind and then you work backwards right. and then try applying filters right so in a way that it, you bring it down to that range yeah so right i don't think there's yeah i don't think there's a magic number mm. i think you definitely need a critical mass because you don't want to be you know so low that you you don't see any engagement you you definitely want you know a number of accounts that you can at least get some engagement because you have to be realistic some accounts are just never going to buy from you right. right so you definitely need a critical mass i don't know what the magic number is um our list kind of came up to that number i would say you definitely want to be high for one to few you definitely want to be higher than you know 200 or so and lower than 500 i would say mm-hmm. if you get into the high hundreds or even thousands then you're doing one too many then that's not one to few mm-hmm. and again like try to bucket them into either industries or a similar challenge they have you know something that they all have similar mm-hmm. so that you can hone into that because otherwise you again you're just doing them on generation right if, if you're just going after everyone without really having something that they have in common. Right. And and what's the strategy about refilling or taking accounts out of your one too many list? Yeah. So one too many, they come off if the seller engages. So if the seller starts to engage and they, you know, become opportunities and things like that, then they come off. And depending on the account, we can then help the seller with, you know, more of a one-to-one or, you know, more more specific support there. Right. Or once they become customer, then, you know, they they become a, you know, they, they go into more of the customer marketing type of programs that we have. Okay. But otherwise, we we try to not remove them in the one-to-few mm-hmm. program. If it's one-to-one and they don't engage at all after two or three months, then yes, we definitely start to look at it and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. There's no engagement. You know, why are we continuing with this? Right. But I do think that you need to give it at least a couple of months because, you know, they won't engage on the first week. Right. But in one-to-few, I don't think there's any harm in having the account included, even if they're not engaging. Just right you know, continue to obviously don't be spammy, you know, like email and things like that. That That's a little bit more delicate, but sure. with digital strategies, with content, with, you know, inviting them to webinars or events, I don't think there's any harm in doing that mm-hmm. um, if they are a part of your ICP. Okay. So the one to few list is a, a derivative of one to many, right? It has been arrived, derived from your own to many right. Uh, list, right? Right, right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And would a one-to-many also have a, a named account? Let's say a preferred account or anything like that, or you would have it in your one-to-few? Uh, no, there's there could be named accounts that are in the one-to-many. One it's just, it depends. So right now, one-to-few is very industry-specific. Right. If you're in a different industry, you would, but you could still be a named account. You would still be in the one-to-many. Okay. Yeah. So let's say if there is an inbound that is not part of your focused industry how would you engage mm-hmm. with them so do you have another bucket or, or something like that so where anything that is not 
this industry specific so you put them into how yeah. specific companies that yeah. yeah yeah so that which is go through our regular um, you know inbound process it goes to a bdr the bdr qualifies it if they are they they would usually be in our icp they then connect with the sales team and you know it gets passed over to sales and we continue the conversation there right uh, how, how do you sort of drive this sales marketing alignment right so i think that's one of the critical areas right yeah. so we talked about how you have weekly cadences and things like that so outside mm-hmm. of that are there any specific set of activities that you guys do yeah which basically helps in this close coordinated effort yeah so i'm always very clear with our sales team from the beginning on what we expect from them right this is not a marketing thing and it, it is a go-to-market thing we have to do this together and mm-hmm. it's not just marketing doing the homework sales has to do their homework too And so just make sure you have those expectations from the get go and especially at the leadership level, uh, not just with the seller themselves, but, you know, their manager and their manager to make sure that, you know, they are going to do their part. Not that they wouldn't, but, you know, they have a ton of accounts. So if they're not, you know, if this is not one of their priorities, then Mm -hmm. let's look for another account. So I'm very clear from the very beginning on what is expected from them. And then, yes, we have the, the weekly sync. We all get together, everybody brings their piece. So the BDR will share, you know, any advancement or any prospecting activity or anything that they have found. The seller will bring, you know, more research or more engagement that they found. And the marketer is looking, is constantly tracking, you know, the engagement on our digital assets, our website, our webinars, anything else, and bringing that to the table. So between the three of them, they get together and, and can, you know, continue that account plan. But yeah, we, I think the alignment with sales, it has to be, you have to be aligned on expectations and you have to be aligned on metrics and how you're going to measure this because it's not the same as measuring a demand generation program. You can't be tracking, you know, leads and MQLs. You're going to have to see the account engagement. And really what I try to do is compare that to non-ABM accounts instead Mm. of, you know, comparing leads and and things like that. So really trying to drive that. And I think, um, you know, sales really understands it very quickly because like I said, they've been doing ABM forever. So whenever they hear you talking about, hey, what we're trying to do is drive engagement, drive meetings, drive conversations, you know, that that really makes the alignment easier than if you go in saying we're going to bring leads and MQLs because that that doesn't really fit into their strategy. Right. Mm, Makes sense. So like, like we initially spoke, right? So there's a lot of companies, even s- startups, right? Smaller startups, they wanted to do ABM, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have enough budgets, they don't resources sometimes, right? But yeah, is there a way such organizations can actually get into the ABM approach, right? And if so, yeah. what are the, some basic uh, sort of hygiene that they need to have before even they start thinking about mm-hmm. executing ABM programs? Yeah. So I do think you need some basic, basic technology to run it. Uh, not that you need to buy, you know, the, the flashy big vendors, but um, you definitely need a good CRM and, you know, a, a way for you to connect with sales in terms of, you know, the accounts that you're looking at. If you're trying to, you, you, could, go, you could go off with like a spreadsheet, but, you know, it just becomes very messy very quickly. So I would at least try to have a CRM in place and um, a marketing automation platform or some way to track, you know, engagement on the marketing side. Mm-hmm. So those two things at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but other than that, I don't think you need very, you know, sophisticated tools. It's really more about setting the strategy and setting the building blocks that you need to really 
start to scale, right? So mm. um, as long as you can see account engagement and then you can track, um, you know, your leads to your account with the contacts, all of, all of that, you know, messiness in Salesforce. As long as you can do that, I think you you can go ahead and, and start. Sure. Let's say they don't have a lot of advertising budget, right? And you said maybe mm -hmm. emailing may not be the very first thing that they yeah. should try attempt. And then let's say they don't have this budget, right? So in that case, like, how should they approach? Yeah, so I think an easier way might be to start like a, a webinar type of series or, mm -hmm. you know, a, a digital event of some sort. You don't need a lot of advertising budget for that. It's all internal. Find good speakers. If you can bring some of your customers or even, uh, you know, folks from the accounts, from the accounts you're trying to target, bring them on you know, have them have a good session with you, ask them questions, cover a topic, you know, and then that could be sort of like in a cadence, you know, you either do it weekly or, or monthly or, you know, bi-weekly, whatever the cadence is, but really inviting everyone else on your list to those, those sessions. Mm -hmm. uh, that is an easy way to start to get engagement there and start to get, you know, your point of view across mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, trying to do a ton of advertising. Sure. Okay. So that, that makes sense. And what type of companies should actually like think about ABM, right? So mm -hmm. there are some could be like revenue-based checklists that you, they can apply and then mm -hmm. say, okay, my ACV is so much, right? But other than that, in your experience, yeah. right? So how should yeah. company decide whether or not to take this ABM-based marketing approach or a GTM approach? Yeah, I think it makes sense when your sale is not transactional. If you're selling a product that, you know, folks can just come to your website and buy it on the website on the spot, that might not be, a, you know, ABM is not as valuable there because you could do more generic, you know, demand generation. So if you don't have a, a I mean, a transactional sale and you need, you know, a long sales cycle with a relationship sale with the sales team and all of that, that is one of the pieces that I always make sure, you know, you have for, to start an ABM. Right. And then also also the, the buying committee you're going after. So again, if you're only going after one persona and you can transact with one person at the account, ABM doesn't really make sense because with ABM, you're trying to go after a big account and a big, you know, a, a larger number of people. So it makes more sense when you're actually selling to a buying committee, right? You have five, six, seven folks always involved in a transaction. That's when ABM makes a lot of sense. Okay. A lot of people say, you know, number of employees at the account or the account has to be this big or... I don't think it matters how big the account is. I, mm. I think it matters if the buying committee is, you know, large enough that it warrants an ABM strategy. And presumably some sort of a team in place, either in-house or an outhouse or an outsource kind of an agency where mm. they could help in producing content and, and all of that. So that's also a consideration that they should have. Yeah, that's true. You you definitely you're going to need um, some sort of content creation and content generation. So if you don't have that in-house definitely you know make sure you have that you have an agency or someone a third party that can help you with that before you even launch into abm mm -hmm. but again you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time with the content that you already have you could just transform that a little bit for you know to fit into the accounts that you're trying to go after so sure. that i don't think that should be a limitation right because the, the reason for these questions I think there are companies, I think just in the last couple of days, right, I've had conversations with some prospects of ours, right, so where they don't ha even have the, the product out yet, but they are thinking about mm -hmm. a marketing process or more specifically, they want to mm -hmm. do ABM, right? For, and they're building the team. They're, they're I don't think they have a yeah. lot of content and things like that, right? So for, 
those right. kind of companies are they too early in your opinion i think so i think you need more of a demand generation strategy before you can launch into abm because you need the building blocks of you know who's our our ideal customer who is you know where is our audience where do they hang out what events do they attend what you know all of those pieces uh, you need to know that before you can launch into abm in my opinion and so having at least that piece, if you're just starting out, I would focus more on a demand generation, you know, one to many type of program where you are, you know, creating the content that, is, you know, learning about the content that resonates, creating that type of content and trying to distill, you know, where am I having more success? And then that's where you start to go a little bit finer into one to few, one to one. But just starting out of the gates with an ABM strategy right away. I mean, maybe if you're in a market where, you know, it's a super finite market and you only have 10 accounts that you can go after, then yes, maybe it is, you know, ABM right out out of the gates. But otherwise, I would try to put together more of a demand generation strategy first. And once that is working, then you can start to refine that to ABM. Right. And and on the flip side, so those companies which are primarily, let's say, inbound, right, and then they have some kind of promotion in place. Mm-hmm. And if they are thinking about introducing ABM, maybe trying to wanting to go to high value accounts or expansions and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. How do you think they should approach integrating ABM into their existing marketing process? Yeah, so I, I always say demand generation and ABM go hand in hand. So you, I, I really recommend having separate teams or at least, you know, people focusing on each one separately because otherwise it's very easy to, you know, be too busy with demand generation to then pay attention to ABM. So I try to split it up. We have our ABM, we don't have an ABM team, but all of most of our ABM sits with our field marketing team because they are aligned with sales. They're talking to sales all the time. They Mm -hmm. have a territory that they cover. They, you know, it's just, they have the basics of ABM. And then on top of that, they just add the, you know, the content and the, the targeting a little bit, but I would say, you know, separate the teams or have at least, you know, that focus because otherwise it's, it's tough to try to get, you know, someone who's been doing the demand generation to suddenly be your ABM expert. Right. But they go hand in hand. So like everything you're doing on the demand generation side of the house should be applied to your ABM. It's just, you know, making sure that you pick the strategies, the tactics and the content that applies to the accounts you're going after and not trying to just, you know, boil the ocean with everything. That makes sense. So we touched upon the ABM technologies a little bit. So yeah, I just trying to understand the impact of ABM technologies on your mm-hmm. overall ABM program, right? ABM platforms, like what role uh, has it played positively or negatively, right? Yeah. Do you have any views on that? Yeah. So I haven't found one ABM platform that does everything that I would like it to do. Right. So um, I think an ABM program is always going to be a mix of different technologies and you're going to need, you know, a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you need some some tool or some way to really understand account engagement at an account level. It's very mm-hmm. hard to see that engagement from a CRM only. So right. some sort of tool that can show you, hey, this account, these are all the touch points we've done. This is their journey, right? This is how they're engaging. That to me is super valuable and it's very helpful for us to then go to the seller and say, hey, look at this journey. You know, this is what we've done. This is how it's playing out and now you know let's continue this account plan Mm -hmm. so at least that we also use intent data but honestly we you know it's 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 another data point for us it's not you know an 
uh, strategy of its own. The only data point. Right. So it's a data point. It's good to know. We we do mm. track, you know, competitive keywords and things like that. And so we can see, you know, oh, if, if an account is interested in, in a competitor, we then know, you know, what type of product they might be looking at or what, right. you know, what strategy we could go with. But again, it's just another data point. You could do it without intent data. It's not essential to ABM, in my opinion. And then at some point, you definitely need some way to target those accounts digitally. So either, you know, with customized landing pages, with customized ads, um, you know, all of that technology, you you don't need it right off the bat. But I do think that as you grow the, the ABM play, you will definitely start to look into those vendors too. Hmm. So what would be, so, so you've been doing ABM for the last, what, eight years now. So what would be an ideal mm-hmm. ABM platform, right, where you have everything at one place? What are the different components that you essentially need, but it's not available, and hence you keep looking for other tools or uh, <laughs> yeah. try to, like, integrate to other platforms or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely something that can um, integrate with our CRM so that the sellers don't have to go to yet another platform and they can see everything from, we, we're on Salesforce, so everything from Salesforce, but you know what are, when, whatever CRM you're using. Mm-hmm. And again, some, a platform where you can see the entire customer journey, the account journey in one place. Uh, so see all of the different demand generation bits and pieces that you've put into into that account, right? So um, are they engaging with our customized ads and landing pages, but then going beyond that, you know, from the demand generation side, are they coming to an event? Are they coming to a webinar? Are they doing any of the other things? And really be able to see all of that in one place. I haven't really found that yet. So (laughs) if you find it, let me know. (laughs) I was wondering about budgets, right, for ABM uh, Mm -hmm. programs, right? So what is the the framework or a methodology somebody should adopt right to to seek budgets right especially when you have something in, in work maybe some kind mm-hmm. of mansion program already but you wanted to kick start mm-hmm. with an abm uh, program right so how do you approach the yeah. budget requirements for an abm program yeah so again it depends on you know are you looking to buy tech or not the technology is expensive so you need to uh, keep that in mind but other if if you put the tools aside and and just thinking about you know the programs that you want to run i would try to not spend too much money right off the gates like i said you know if if you're doing an event for example from your demand generation side of the house then try to use that event to target your accounts, right? Have one of your target accounts come and speak at the event or, you know, have a dinner the day before the event and you can get, get, you know, four or five folks from your target accounts more on an ABM side of the house, right? Or things like that. Like I wouldn't try to just say, hey, here's, you know, a, a bunch of money that I need to spend on this thing specifically with the things that you're already doing, you know, start to pick from that and start to build your ABM program based on that. Mm-hmm. Because like we all know, it, it's hard to get budget for anything and sure. getting budget for something that you haven't proved yet is, is just a very difficult conversation to have. So I would rather, you know, grab from things we're already doing, but do it on a more customized and ABM type of way. Mm-hmm. And then once you have a couple of, you know, accounts engaging or a couple of wins, a couple of things that you can then go and say, hey, we generated, you know, these meetings from this or we generating these conversations. Can we now get, you know, a little bit more budget to do more specific things for that? Right. In the latter uh, scenarios, right, where you proved some through pilot or other mm-hmm ways right so mm-hmm. would the budgets be coming let's say more specifically for your yeah. one to few kind of an abm approaches right so would it be at a 
let's say at an account level or would you just roll up to mm-hmm. maybe a list level how would you yeah uh, how do you approach again the budget requirements we would do it at a list level so uh not by account because then you're running to the risk that if an account doesn't engage then you know that budget seems to be lost so i would try to do it at a, a as a bucket right like we have this bucket of accounts we want this much budget to engage and and you have to play out the entire scenario you have to say you know this is going to be this is going to be the conversion rate we're going to produce these many meetings from these meetings we're going to produce you know this much pipeline right. and then obviously that has to compare to the, to your demand generation or other programs that you're running because if that is not as good then who's going to give you the budget right? Right. right so you need that strategic thinking of like the numbers are going to be lower because we all know I'm not bringing in leads I'm not bringing MQLs but right. I am bringing you know, good conversations. And these are the accounts that we definitely want this year. So, you know, it's more of a strategy conversation rather than just, you know, plain numbers. And, you know, this this dollar in bu- budget is going to bring this many leads. Sure. Related to that, right? So one of the challenges that we keep hearing from the early implementers of ABM is, right, from the marketing side of things, right? So how do I go and then convey to my exec team right that i've actually played a mm-hmm. part in building this pipeline right so i had played mm-hmm. my part to do this to let's say create opportunities influence opportunities right so how do you go and then like just position the marketing team's involvement yeah. in, in an overall pipeline generation effort yeah i think the best way to do that is look at your conversion rates because again you're not going to be able to compare leads to leads and mqls right. to MQLs. so I, I would look at conversion rates and say we we set out with, you know, say 300 accounts and we actually converted, you know, 20 percent. I'm just making these numbers up, but 20 percent to meetings mm-hmm. and then this much into opportunities versus if you look at your demand generation programs or, you know, whatever you have going on already, mm-hmm. the conversion rates are probably going to be lower just because you're more, you know, you're wider, you're not as customized, you are not as targeted. So comparing the conversion rates like that and saying we need, we still need the demand generation piece, obviously, because we have, you know, the program already producing and that is sort of like, you know, continuous pipeline coming in. But if we do this type of program where it's more customized, then, you know, the conversion rates are higher and, comparing ABM to non-ABM accounts, you start to see that that conversion rate, you know, be much, much higher and much better. Again, based on your experience, right? So how long does it take for ABM programs to stabilize, mature, and it starts like being itself and start producing results? Yeah, it's a long-term program for sure. And that is one of the challenges we've seen with, especially with sales teams that are, you know, very impatient and they want results tomorrow. Okay. And sometimes, you know, they themselves, like they change accounts quarter over quarter and mm. things like that. And that, that just doesn't work. You can't expect results in a quarter even. So again, going back to setting up the expectations of, hey guys, this is not going to work in quarter. This is, you know, almost like a, a year long program. Mm. It's very hard to sell a year long program at least in my experience so you have to break it out into chunks and you have to say okay this quarter Mm -hmm. this is what we're gonna do right and next quarter this is what we'll do so for example we you know the way we structured this year was you know in the first quarter we are going to do the one to few and we're gonna go after you know these uh, 30 40 accounts and then within that quarter we're gonna track engagement and then the second quarter we'll take you know the top 
10, 12 accounts that have engaged in the first quarter. And in the second quarter, we're then doing one-to-one for those or, you know, a, a more specific approach to those. So really in that sense, and then just being, you have to be fast and reactive. If there's an account that is completely cold, they're not responding to anything, they're not doing anything, then you have to be willing to say, look, it's not working, let's swap it out because there's no point in carrying an, an account for like nine or 10 months and then get right. to a year and say, well, we didn't do anything with this account, right? So right. you have to be patient on one side, but also fast to react. If things are not working, just pivot and do something else because hmm. at the end of the year, you are going to have to show results. Right, okay. I had a question around your favorite ABM campaign. Mm-hmm. Is there a disastrous ABM campaign where you're not able to engage, right? So you set this like goal for a quarter, yeah. right? So where nothing moved, right? And then mm-hmm. how exactly did you mm-hmm. recover and then how did you keep going? So are there any instances like that? Yeah, so um, I would definitely say, so I wouldn't say it's a bad campaign if you don't generate meetings or, you know, pipeline as long mm-hmm. as you learn something, right? Like right. Um, I didn't, this is the famous Edison quote right like I I didn't fail a thousand times I just found a thousand ways that don't work Um, so that's really what you have to convey is does that sell to your sales teams or the exec team right it's a very very different message if you go to a QBR and say oh we didn't get anything out of this ABM or if you go and say look we didn't get meetings but we saw this content resonates this event was good because of blah you know or like we had a good conversation with this account and you know Hmm. you start to bring in those bits even if if you actually didn't really generate, you know, pipeline or, or revenue, right? right? So you definitely have to show why you have learned and how you're going to apply it going forward. Mm-hmm. But again, be able to pivot quickly. Don't get stuck. Sometimes marketers, we get stuck into like, no, we're, we're doing it and we're going to keep doing it and we just want to do it more, right? Mm-hmm. If it's not working, it's not working. Just, you know, recover from it, learn from it and just move on because there's no point in continuing doing something that doesn't work. That makes sense. Final couple of questions, right? So again, based on your experience, there are different parts in an ABM or a successful ABM program, right? So so things like the alignment that we talked about, things like Mm -hmm. account selection, right? So the orchestration that goes in, in terms of like, how do you structure your different campaigns, personalization, for all these things, right? So what do you think is the single most factor that affects right whether your program is going to be successful or not yep definitely the number one thing for me is account selection Mm -hmm. if you pick the wrong accounts you're never going to get anywhere Mm -hmm. it is the you know where everything originates and you have to be very confident on the accounts you're selecting Mm -hmm. it is to me it's a joint effort it has to come from sales and marketing so a lot of people just go to sales and say, hey, give me your you know, top 10 accounts and I'll run with that. Right. That's not really how it should be, in my opinion. That's why I like the approach of, hey, we'll pick the you know, 300 and then from there, let's start to see who is engaging and who, you know, where we can hone mm-hmm. in, other than try to go and knock on cold doors because that might never work. So definitely the account selection, make sure you know your ICP very well, make sure you pick accounts where you have been successful or similar accounts to what you've been successful in the past. I wouldn't launch into, you know, a brand new industry with brand new personas Mm -hmm. with an ABM approach. You you don't even know where to go, right? So make sure you know what type of account you want to target, what type of persona, what is the content that resonates, what, where do they hang out? What are the activities that they engage with? 
before you just launch blindly. Perfect. Hey, thank you so much. I think it has been like a very insightful discussion. Like we've learned a lot of things, and I'm sure our audience too will resonate with what you the experience that you've had. Right. So, any parting thoughts? Right. So, how can people reach out to you? Right. I'm. I'm I know that you're very active on LinkedIn. That's where we got connected. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, Christina Daroka. You can find me and, you know, send me a, a connection request. I'm happy to always connect with marketers that are on the same boat. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. Christina, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thanks a lot. Yeah, same here. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, do consider helping your peers get access to this resource. Go ahead and share the podcast link with them. It's in the description. Thank you. Thank you.